Welcome to the Chat With Your Kids podcast. I'm Marcy. And I'm Alex. And we're here to help you tackle the biggest topics through little chats with the kids in your life. Welcome to this week's episode of Chat With Your Kids. Chat with your kids about spirituality. We are excited for you to be joining us. Um, First off, I guess let's just check in. We have had, we, well, we typically record on Sundays. Um, Just, I guess, fun little behind the scenes. Not always, but typically (laughs) when we record. So we'd like to record earlier in the week just to, but it ends up fitting in our schedule the best this way. Yeah. It's usually, we, we aspire to record earlier in the week, but Sundays is really what happens. So we're just kind of wrapping up our weekend and it's been nice, kind of a lazy weekend which has been much needed. Mm-hmm. I feel it's like. been a while. Yeah. Didn't have like a lot of plans and we just kind of, um, Alex and Everett weren't feeling great. So we just kind of stuck around and I don't know, it was yeah. a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nice. I'd say from what I've seen and from what I'm experiencing, we're kind of over that new year hump where there's all that excitement. Mm-hmm. from like it's a new year new goals new life whatever yeah. and you're just like busy like all the students at the university seem to be settling into like oh I've got classes with tons of work now and for me work is getting similar and I think yeah. we've all like accepted it's 2024 <laughs> so finally starting to like write the correct date <laughs> and I write things down I'm still making mistakes actually I'm still writing 23 sometimes and I, I started off like 2018. So that's fine. Like that's when I get it wrong, I get it really wrong. <laughs> um, I wanted to share the funniest text my cousin sent this week. Um, me and my cousin are really close. She's a listener of the podcast. Shout out to you. You know who you are. But she texted, I was listening to your podcast, and for some reason, one of the questions reminded me of something when we were little. We were in the car. And someone asked you what age you would want to be if you could be any age. You said 18, so you could buy a magic bullet. <laughs> it was so funny that a kid, uh, that as a kid, she wanted a blender so badly. I was dying when she said that. I know exactly what she was talking about <laughs> because I totally remember I was like probably like in like fourth or fifth grade. I was obsessed with the magic bullet infomercial and like it was my Roman empire. It was all I talked about and I wanted one so bad, but you had to be 18 to order it because it was like an infomercial. It was like an infomercial product. Oh, okay. Okay. I thought the 18, I I was wondering what the age restriction for the blender was, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, I guess there's like safety concerns. I finally did get a magic bullet. I honestly think one of my friend's parents got it for me. If I remember right, they were like, this girl is obsessed with this blender. But I'm curious, like how often was an 18 year old watching infomercials and thinking like, oh, I really need that. You know? <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It must be 18 or older to buy it. It's true. Anyways, I love that. But I love, I wanted to highlight that one, because I love when people reach out and tell us they're listening to the show. And I love that these conversation starters are starting funny conversations. That one is a good one for me and my cousin, but I love that question. Like if you could be any age, what would you be and why? And like, I just imagine, I don't know, probably an aunt or an uncle or whoever asked that question, like the surprise, like, you know what I mean? Like 
you want to be 18 so you could buy a blender. Like, I just think when we start conversations with kids, it can go in a really fun direction. (laughs) And you can learn a lot. You never really know. Yeah. So anyways, the magic. And I I gotta say, I loved the magic bullet. It's a great blender. Definitely has its place in our history. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think the one that we had early in our marriage was that one that I got. Oh really? I'm I'm pretty sure it was mine. Yeah, nope. took it with me to college, and it <laughs> lasted forever. Anyways, so I still appreciate a good blender. That's true. Yeah. The the magic bullet. Well, I'm gonna just play devil's advocate here. I personally think it has limitations. Yeah. No. I, I we've matured. I... <laughs> we've out we've outgrown it. It's fine. It's fine. It had its place in my life, but should weigh out the pros and cons. We. We have a blend tech now. It's true. And she's good. She she does a good job. <laughs> Anyways, weird. Chat with your kids about blenders. Welcome to <laughs> this week's episode. Just kidding. That's not the topic. But if it were. <laughs> we'd have a lot to say. But actually, like we said at the beginning, we're chatting about spirituality today. And initially, just right at the outset, we wanted to kind of clear the ground on two things. So one is on a conceptual note and one's on a more personal one conceptually so we just wanted to talk about what do we even mean by spirituality and we're going to kind of follow the kind of standard i guess academic distinction which a lot of people understand i guess in life anyway so by spirituality we don't mean religion um the two can be related but they can also be distinct so if you imagine uh like a grid with four, like a square with four boxes um, on one side. Yeah. Anyway, so you can have like spiritual and religious, spiritual, not religious. You could, I guess, potentially have religious, but not spiritual. Yeah, no, I think that exists. And then not religious, not spiritual. So religion being like affiliation with a specific religious tradition or something like Catholicism, Hinduism, well, Hinduism, never mind forget that forget i said that catholicism or like judaism or something um and then spirituality being um commitment inner commitment to a higher power yeah well like a bit more broad a belief uh like of a living relationship with like a higher being yeah if it's like god nature the universe what have you Mm-hmm. the human community connectedness yeah yeah um and so with that we of course like religion will be part of this conversation and um especially if you are a person who maybe considers yourself in that grid of like spiritual and religious um and we wanted to just like at the beginning of this episode uh talk about our faith background because while we really want this episode to be applicable to everyone and we're kind of taking it from more of like a research and you know what is the research on spirituality and children what does that look like we recognize that we our experiences and our faith and our background will shape the way that we're engaging this in this conversation um so alex and i are both christian we're members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints and our faith is a big part of our lives. Um, and 
that being said, something that we have talked about a lot in just like this podcast and chat with your kids, something that we really value is that we would love the audience of chat with your kids to be extremely diverse people with different faith backgrounds and beliefs, politically different, like we just would love for this to be a community. And I feel like that's pretty unique. <laughs> like, I feel like so many, um, I feel like a lot of like the podcasts we listen to, or, you know, we are like, we, we want to like align with different groups and values. Whereas like, I guess what we've talked about, we kind of talked about this. You have a shared value that we hope everyone has. Exactly. Yeah. So the shared value is wanting to connect with your kids and have important conversations in small chats (laughs) in small chats. (laughs) And so that is kind of the shared value. And hopefully I think, you know, that value is shared amongst a lot of people with different backgrounds and perspectives, which is, is really cool. Um, So, yeah, so that's our faith background and we might talk a little bit about our own, you know, spirituality or faith. Um, Well, the reason for mentioning like our religious background is that for us, like personally, our spirituality is often very tied up in that, even though I'd say like not exclusively, like there's, I, I think a lot of, for me, like our religious beliefs give meaning to my spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. There's other aspects to it too. Like I enjoy, like one of the reasons why I like skiing or golfing, even though I don't really golf that much, but I do like it. And hiking is because like, there's something about being in nature, like feeling more connected to nature that I don't, I don't know. I find it really like meaningful and fulfilling. Mm. And um, yeah, I don't know. There's an argument for that to be, also part of our religious beliefs but it's it's more of an indirect link i'd say that's something like kind of related but separate mm-hmm. anyway as an example yeah i love that i love that and yeah so hopefully today um wherever you are at in that like those four squares or wherever you're at, you're at spiritually and with your kids and i think this is such a big topic that can excite people. It can make people feel a little uncomfortable or nervous um, because it's just so big and vast and all of our experiences are different. Um, And so hopefully we can really help you feel like confident and inspired in, in having these conversations with your kids, because in full disclosure, like my spirituality and faith and religion and like kind of the intersection of all these things and all these things, um, has sometimes like in so many ways it's like such a source of like peace and hope in my life and such a big part of my life and then at other times it's a a really challenging part of my life where sometimes a value I have and part of my religion or faith don't always line up and I'm navigating that and so I think it's just a really big (laughs) topic and wherever you fall I think that that there can be something in this episode for you. Yeah. Part of, I think we're going to rely pretty heavily on a book by Dr. Lisa Miller, who's, she's one of the most uh, well-known spirituality researchers uh, in the context of like human development. And there's one more thing that Marcy and I bring to this. So we do, and we mentioned our like religious background, but we also bring a professional interest to this. So um, Marcy and I, I guess we have different experiences. So I'll let you speak for yourself, but 
for me, one of the reasons that one of the things that I guess I was initially interested in academically within psychology was the psychology of religion and spirituality. And um, I was able to work in a very small way with Dr. Scott Richards, who is also um, one of the most well-known spirituality researchers within the field of psychology. And specifically a lot of his, most of his work was specifically with an application to spiritual and religious integrating spiritual and religious concerns or interventions in psychotherapy. And he did tons of research, published several books, um, collaborated with tons of different researchers. Um, and so that I didn't continue down that path, but um, it's always been uh, an interest of mine. And so it's something that, you know, I've, I'm not an expert in, but I've definitely studied and thought about. So you worked a, a lot on that research team. Yeah. yeah. And I um, didn't do research with <laughs> Dr. Richards, but I did take a class when I was doing my master's degree. Um, it wasn't actually part of the course that I was supposed to take, but I was just really interested in it. And it was like, yeah, um, just like spirituality and psychotherapy. And that's actually where I got introduced to the book we're going to talk about. So it's called The Spiritual Child by Dr. Lisa Miller. The funny thing is, is I've literally been reading this book for like 10 years. (laughs) So I bought it in that class and I was so excited. And I remember me and Alex went on a trip to Boston and it's so funny. We like pulled out the book and I have like a bookmark that is from that trip, like a ticket stub or whatever in there. And I've been reading it for years. I actually don't know if I fully finished it or maybe I've read it a couple of times. I don't even know, but Alex has read it I think a few times in that time period, but it's just taken me a while to read it. Um, but we wanted to pull some stuff from that. So we first, before we kind of dive into some of, um, Dr. Miller's like talking points and how that can maybe inform our conversations with our kids. We do want to start with reflection questions. And I think in every topic, this is so important, but I think this is especially important with this topic. So the first reflection question is, um, what is spirituality to you? So we're going to, I guess in this episode, give a working definition, but it's meant to be a very general and broad definition that's applicable to most, if not all people. And so while that's kind of nice in theory, um, it's really important for us to consider what does spirituality mean specifically for us as an individual. So I guess I'll just share the working definition. Mm -hmm. We talked about it earlier, but um, we're drawing from this book by Dr. Lisa Miller. And she says to quote her, It's an inner sense. Spirituality is an inner sense of living relationship to a higher power, be it God, nature, spirit, universe, the creator, or whatever your word is for the ultimate loving, guiding life force. And so, you know, for some of us, like for Marcy and I, that is God for other people. I know like nature is much more of a, you know, like the guiding like loving force or influence that that they find meaning in. But the point is like to be specific about whatever it is to you, because that's, what's going to matter for you and how you're having these chats with your kids. Um, The next reflection question is what has your experience been with spirituality? 
and also faith and religion um because like we mentioned they there's a lot of overlap and you know it's all kind of tied together um and again this is such a big question right like um within this question just me personally i there's you know like some of my best memories and some of the most growing and sculpting and just like amazing experiences for me are part of my spirituality and my relationship with God. And then also some of the most difficult things and, you know, some things that I'm like, Oh, I didn't love that. (laughs) Or some maybe part of my involvement in religion or, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so kind of as a follow-up question is like, what would you like your child's experience to be in terms of their spirituality, religion, faith, and kind of, if you could say what you would want for your children, you know, what would that look like for them? Yeah. And then another question would be, what do spiritual conversations or experiences look like in your home now? And that's just, I guess more of a check-in than anything like our you know maybe the answer is hmm am I having those Mm -hmm. conversations or um and so maybe it's more of a reflection of like how would I want to start having those conversations which hopefully we can help with somewhat today maybe it's yeah I mean we've been having them but it's mostly my kids are bringing up questions about death or why like what the meaning of life is and I don't really know how to answer them yet or I'm working it out and trying to figure it out anyway. Mm-hmm. Or or yeah. maybe it's, yeah, it's like we go to church every week, but you know what? I'm not sure my kids know why. <laughs> and I think I would like them to know why. Or like there could be a million different things, right, um, that are going on with that. So again, this is just for you to reflect and say, hmm, where am I at with that? What are my experiences? And like, what do I want to teach? And just how can I be really intentional with this and the conversations that I'm having with my children? So now that we have had some time to self-reflect, um, let's dive in to some information. So in um, this book, The Spiritual Child, Um, Dr. Miller highlights six spiritual strengths that children have. And we wanted to kind of just highlight and talk about each of these as a talking point, because I think they're really good concrete ways to see like, how can we help support our child's spirituality, um, in whatever context we how's that in our family, whether we are not religious or we are, or we're still working on developing and finding our own spirituality. Hopefully this can be kind of applicable, um, wherever you're. And I would say just, just a little note about, so these are six, six spiritual strengths. So Dr. Miller kind of works with this idea that children are innately spiritual. They, that, we're kind of, we have this inborn sense of uh, living relationship with a higher power. And so these six spiritual strengths are things that kids are inclined towards, but that these things need to be cultivated or fostered mm-hmm. in a loving context. And so they're, they're things to like aspire to and work towards 
So the first one is that children have uh, kind of an attunement to spiritual things. She calls it the spiritual compass. And Dr. Miller talks about how like the inner life of a child or like our inner life, like through our heart, through our feelings, um, that becomes a way for us to connect with like the universe or God or higher power with other people, um, with ourselves and understand who we are. And it's kind of akin to like a moral compass. And, but the idea is that, right, this is something that can easily be kind of, it can easily be overlooked, I guess, if you've ever had, um, maybe kind of like a simple thought, this is actually somewhat unrelated. There is, a researcher, uh, Dr. Warner, C. Terry Warner. And he had this, he was writing this um, article trying to describe a similar like intuition. And he talked about how he like starts off the article by talking about how he's like setting the stage. There's like a couple, they're married, they have a young kid. Um, she stays at home to take care of the kid usually. And he is working on getting this big promotion at work. And so there's like, he's working extra hours. He's really stressed and everything. And this one night he, um, like he has a big meeting at work the next morning and he hears the baby cry and he looks at the clock and it's only like two 30 in the morning. And he knows he's awake and he knows his wife isn't yet. And he thinks to himself, like he just has this fleeting thought, like get up and go be with the kid. And then the thing is in the story that he writes, he chooses not to. And like the whole thing is in the context of like his wife stays home all day to take care of the kid. Like she's working just as hard and everything. And the idea is that like he had this intuition, right? This impulse to go do this thing that probably would have been good. Would have even more tired. Yeah. Would it have been good for his family? Probably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Better than yeah. being a little tired. Been good for his wife. <laughs> right. But like the idea is that like that thought is like that spiritual intuition, that spiritual mm -hmm. compass and that we can get to a place in life where it's so easy to just overlook. Like, mm -hmm. would it be easy to justify him not getting up? Yeah, totally. But the point is that maybe in doing that, we're actually missing something that could make our life more enriching, mm -hmm. even if maybe you're a little bit more tired, maybe you've done something better for your family than yeah. the tiredness means. Um, and so that's kind of like the same idea here is that like kids have this inborn sense of like what, like that there are things that matter and like kind of an attunement to things that matter. Mm -hmm. um, and that by being willing to have spirituality be a part of, like family relationships, we're allowing that spiritual compass to have like meaning for the kid to be like, for it gives the kid an opportunity to like recognize it and focus on it mm -hmm. and make that a part of like their decision-making growing up, things like that. Mm. Yeah. I really like that. I love that example. And what I think about with this first point is like how important experiential learning is in like everything, but especially I would argue with like learning and like spirituality yeah. of like 
helping kids experience and recognize when they are having like a spiritual experience, right? And that would look that would look different for every family, but it might be, yeah, something as simple of like when you witness your child, maybe you see like something like that play out where they like um make a selfless choice or you know they do something brave or noble or like whatever, you know, like and it or it could be something so small of just like in a beautiful moment, like, I don't know, we've had moments with our kids where like, they'll just say like how happy they are or something, you know? And I think it is that like scaffolding of like pointing it out in that moment of like, whatever it is. Right. So it's like, it could be if you, if your higher power is God, like, yeah, like, isn't that so beautiful that like God gave us this moment (laughs) or it could be something, you know, if you aren't, if you don't believe in God as a higher power, but it might be something like, yeah, when your child makes a really awesome choice or something like pointing that out, like, wow, like you have the power within yourself. Like you had that in you to do something a little bit harder because you knew it was right. And like, what an amazing power that you have that's in you. Like you are, you know, just, you have that, like, I don't know. So I think, the experiential learning is so important with this and it does take a little bit of like scaffolding or pointing those things out. Um, but like how much more impactful that is of like teaching your child, they're, they're like really forming, helping them form a relationship with that higher power than just like kind of like shoving it down their throats or forcing it of like, you know, it's more organic. We will do this thing because that's how it goes or whatever, but instead like giving them these real experiences with their higher power. So I like that. Okay. So the second one is just kind of this idea that children are hardwired to hold family sacred and sustaining. And I love that. And I think just even as we've been like reflecting on this point, it's, really cool to take a step back and view that in our own kids like how yeah like I love that word sacred like how like sacred family is to them and how much they just like love and value family like we I had an interesting experience a few weeks ago we had been with some friends and our oldest he said something like it was really sweet but he said like I don't really like how my friend talked to his mom like it wasn't about like respect or something yeah he's like it wasn't very respectful and he I was like oh was he nice to you he's like well yeah but he wasn't nice to his mom and that made me really sad and I just thought that was like kind of beautiful from like a child you know that he was like kind of yeah that like recognition that like family is sacred um and how we can like kind of facilitate that as part of their spirituality yeah I think I mean a lot of that is has to do with like honoring the family relationships ourselves like being loving being kind not you know I don't know Mm -hmm. I think we can think of like extreme cases where there isn't 
like in cases of abuse, for example, were like 100%, that. Yeah. That um child holding the family sacred would be violated, right? And so then it yeah. would make that very complicated for the child in the future. Yeah. Well, and I would argue yeah. like children have this innate gift or, you know, right. But it is our responsibilities yeah. as adults to make the family a sacred, like, right. Yeah, exactly. Like if the, if children have that view, we need to like preserve that and work hard so that, yeah, it is a safe environment yeah i guess like we also should hold it sacred yeah yeah we should yeah exactly we should model it i really like this quote from the book um she says we don't do it uh well so she says like so how do we sanctify the family to strengthen this experience for our children we don't do it by lecturing a child on how to be a good person we do it by creating everyday moments of focused attention to qualities like commitment forgiveness resilience and loyalty all held in the field of love and I really like that. Like, I think just like the best way that we can help our children along their like spiritual path is through like modeling. And, and really, I think it's like doing really focusing on those things for ourselves as well. I really like that. I really like that. Yeah, this is definitely like the chat with your kids. It's very much in line with the chat with your kids. A hundred percent. Yeah. Model <laughs> Go Dr. Miller. I know. Um, yeah. Her third point, her third idea for spiritual strengths in children are, uh, is that spiritual community gives your child an expanded family of kindred spirits. So this is something she talks earlier in the book about this field of love that Marcy actually mentioned in this last quote is like, um, kind of helping our children feel connected to all their extended family, like all the people she talks about this activity, which I think Marcy has done this with our kids. Um, not on paper, like Dr. Miller recommends, but just in conversation quite often of like, okay, let's talk like, who are the people in our family and the kids, like letting the kids kind of name who are all the people that they feel loved by. And then talking about like, who those people are and then also the specific ways that they love our kids and the point of doing that i mean there's a lot of great benefits from that one of them is to help children feel the the network of support that really is all around them that mm -hmm. they're not like even like the love within a nuclear family is great but we're we've evolved to be in wider communities like our, our the our evolutionary history had us in communities of like 150 to 250 people that we were living with long-term. Like that was not exactly family, but like relatives and associates, like distant relatives basically. And so it's really important. Like we kind of lose a sense of that with the way our world is now. Like it's very fast paced. We all have our own jobs, our own houses, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to be insulated and not it's easy to not feel connected to people outside of the immediate family um, but it's so important to feel that connection and mm -hmm. we can foster that right from the beginning with our kids yeah and I think it really I don't to like diverge too much but I think that's such an important part of the chat with your kids model of like you may especially as kids get older you may just not be the first person that your kids want to run to and talk to about but if we can provide you know, adults in their life who we trust, 
that they can feel loved and supported by like how important is that and I think like I'm even just thinking about like our friends in Miami like especially we weren't living close to family there and our kids have like aunties and uncles in Miami who like just were like family you know and so it may not even be like blood relatives <laughs> like as you have this conversation um but yeah just like that feeling of community and in the book she kind of actually talks about like different examples she talks about like sports teams and how that mm-hmm. can be come like a spiritual community of like you have these shared values and you're working together and you're growing together and everyone kind of comes together and rallies around each other she talks about nature um and how that is such a beautiful source of like community and we can build a community in nature of course like religious communities of like a yeah religion or faith group um and then just like community in general like your local community so i think you know like i immediately when i first read that i definitely thought of like our church congregation <laughs> but i love like expanding that view you know and seeing like like i well and i I think practically for our family like it has often involved our religious community but it's also very often involved like our friends that aren't within our religious community but that we have many shared values with and Mm -hmm. that we do a lot of things with like we spend tons of time with them and like you said they they are a part of our family um even if they're not blood relatives like I would mm-hmm. consider them like brothers like and sisters, like people are connected that connected to them. Yeah. Like people supported that, by them. Yeah. And vice versa. Like mm-hmm. our kids are invested in them and pray for them. And yeah, you know, it's sweet. Yeah. So the next one is uh, sp- spiritual multilingualism is your child's passport. And we really like this one. So the idea is that, like referring back to this spiritual compass, like all the things that we've talked about so far, right? Um, the idea is that like these strengths give a child an opportunity to see the sacred in themselves and in other people. And because it's because this these strengths are cultivated within this um, network of support, this field of love, right, that we've been talking about recently, um, it can be, it's possible to develop kind of some in-grouping, right? Where like the people that we see as like sacred or good are the people who also happen to share our values. But the point of this one, of this spiritual strength is to counteract that and say that actually these spiritual strengths help us recognize the sacred in all people, whether or not they're similar to us. Um and so it's, yeah, being able to see the sacred in, in all people. Um, and that's people who are different in terms of like spirituality beliefs um, and practices, different cultural backgrounds, different educations, different family circumstances, like different um, work and, and like, like socioeconomic status, things like that. Um, so yeah, this, this ability to feel a living relationship with a higher power, um, can, I guess, set the frame for our children to see that kind of everybody has that same relationship. And so everybody has 
um, sacredness within them. Mm -hmm. And I I think like something that obviously as we are like teaching our children about our own spirituality or like religion, um, there's definitely values tied into that, right? That's a big part of that. And I think sometimes with younger children and like we've talked about developmentally on chat with your kids, like sometimes black and white is easier with younger kids. But I think that sometimes we can get a little bit um, like maybe miss the mark when we're teaching values where we can be like so black or white that we can maybe miss opportunities for, yeah, helping our children see like the divine in others or like the, you know, inherent goodness in others because, you know, maybe we teach our children certain values. And so if a kid or, you know, at school doesn't hold that value, then they say, oh, right? Like that black and white thinking, bad. Well, here's an example. I hear this often. I hear people talk about this publicly, actually. And it's a pet peeve of mine. So I'm going to talk about it now. (laughs) (laughs) Is that this thing, whatever it is. (laughs) We sometimes teach the things that matter to us by making direct comparisons with things that it's not in our view. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, sometimes people teach Well, the example that comes to mind is religious principles by directly comparing their beliefs with the beliefs of another church or religion or something else. But the thing is, like, that actually doesn't help. For one thing, it just doesn't even help clarify, like, what your beliefs are. Mm -hmm. It's like saying, like, what's an apple? Well, it's not a banana. It's not an orange. It's not a pomegranate. It's not an avocado. Mm -hmm. Like, but what is an apple? (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's you're missing the point of the question. Um, So for one, it's not even helpful in understanding what your beliefs actually are. And then the other thing is that it fosters this idea that like, oh, well, there's a better and a worse. And the things that I think and believe are better than those of another person. Mm -hmm. And that that's how I should understand how this works Mm -hmm. is like things are better and worse. And my views are better. Um, and that's also not helpful. Just, in, I mean, practically in real experience, it's really not helpful to go around like thinking about ourselves in comparison to other people like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like a really natural thing. Like I, I do this sometimes, like if a friend has something nice that I want or that I'm jealous of in my mind, I'm like, well, but they, you know, at least I'm not, blah, 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 they're going through the X, Y, or Z trial or whatever, you know, it's like, I think it's kind of a natural thing that we do as people were like this like comparison. Yeah. Right. Um, well, it's and it, to be fair to us as humans, it is a lot easier to say what something isn't than it is to say what something is. I, mm-hmm. This is like a huge lesson I learned throughout my PhD is like mm-hmm. we study uh, my research lab studies flourishing and like happiness basically. Mm-hmm. And we critique a lot of people that say a lot of things about flourishing that, you know, I think there's better ways to talk about it, but always, always, always the thing we run up against is like, okay, it's easy to critique. It's way harder to say like what flourishing is Mm -hmm. and we have things to say about it, but like, man, it is, it takes so much more work. It's so much easier to point out like that idea doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And it's so much harder to say, like, how do I artic- how do I articulate this thing that seems to make so much sense to me? But now that I try to put it into words, I actually don't know what to say. I love that. And I think like bring that back to like spirituality, like how powerful 
if we can help our kids understand what their relationship is with their higher power or, you know, and really help them have a relationship an understanding an experience instead of just like maybe comparing themselves to another group or person or feeling all high and mighty, right? Like, yeah. Well, social comparison makes us all miserable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just not productive. And I think in so many, like of these like values, beliefs, you know, like religions or wherever this falls, I think it's that is kind of directly out of line with like, I know like we are Christian and that doesn't really fall in line with our Christian values. Right. Like, of, you know, like, I think, I, I think this point of noticing like the divine in others and the, how does she say it? Spiritual multilingualism is a part of what I would say is like our values and beliefs, you know, at least us personally. Yeah. Um, and I even just kind of was thinking as you're talking about this, about like an experience I had as a kid, I remember a chat with my parents and I, there was a celebrity, I'll just say who it is because I think a lot of people condemned her and now she's written a book about it and it's been in the news. It was Britney Spears. And I was like making all these like judgments about her, like spiritually. And I remember my dad, I think was kind of like, whoa, whoa, whoa there. (laughs) And like, kind of just sat me down and like, in a loving way was just like, that's not, you know, that's not really your job. Like, you know, and he could talk, you know, we believe we believed in God and he kind of talked about God and how this person had a relationship with God, you know, Britney Spears. And like, it just wasn't my place. And like, and that had impact on me. And I, and uh, yeah. And then I kind of remember having a conversation with parents. I don't remember everything, but um, yeah, I think, that was impactful. And and, and I, I think I don't get, I don't remember all the details. I think we were talking about like modesty to begin with. And I thought it was nice that like my parents prioritized maybe this bigger picture of like spiritual um, multilingualism than over that, like, you know, modesty, that was something that my family valued or whatever. Um, but they kind of, prioritize that maybe bigger picture value yeah okay so the next one is spiritual agency empowers children to create a culture of love um and I kind of want to talk about this just talking about this like I'll just read another quote from the book so she she talks about as we know now from research on bullying prevention There is enormous power in educating children about social cruelty and in helping them recognize their authority to speak up in the moment or to an adult. With an inner compass that points to right action and having been encouraged to trust it, a child feels empowered to act. If you can stand up for yourself and others on the playground, you're solid. And so I think this kind of like, I like that example of going back to, you know, she talked about this inner compass, but like really helping foster and teach our kids and help them feel confident in like trusting themselves and their spirituality. Yeah. 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 I mean, I see this in, in our older son, especially because he's, he'll say stuff about this. He'll come home from school and say stuff about this. And um, it's always so impressive to me how like 
sensitive and aware he is to like these things that I think as a kid, it's easy to be like, I mean, kids are carefree and just doing their thing. Right. And I'm like, wow, you really like, not only did you notice something that you felt was an injustice at school, but you observed it and then you brought it home and talked to us about it. That's like a really complicated process that, you know, I think we talk about relationships and how to treat people well and stuff like that. But that I think is just evidence of like this moral, this spiritual compass mm-hmm. and like kids attunement to these things and how, um, I don't know, like it's really impressive actually. Yeah. And I think a big part of our, our job as adults, as our kids are forming this and gaining confidence in themselves and their spirituality is that we need to take them seriously. Right. If that makes sense. Like, and it's going to be hard for them to take themselves seriously or trust that they are spiritual beings or that they have this innate power or, you know, whatever, if they don't feel that from the adults in their life and they're not taken seriously. And I think part of that too, is like validating concerns or questions they have like kids innately. um, We were talking about this, like they are not afraid to like talk about these big things like death and like the meaning of life meaning of life <laughs> and purpose. And they're just like not afraid to go there. <laughs> and so a big part of like fostering that confidence and helping them to like continue and grow in that is by like going there with them and validating them. And like, it's okay if maybe they do have like a question or a concern about maybe it is something within your like faith or your religion um, and like taking them seriously and listening and being there and present with them as they voice their concerns um, and not being dismissive, but really like validating and like, yeah, just taking them seriously, I think is a really important part of like fostering that confidence in those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess on that note, the last spiritual strength that Dr. Miller talks about is transcendent knowing. She talks about dreams, mystical experiences, and other special knowing. And the idea here is that we as humans have, I guess, speaking of the spiritual compass and kind of like our awareness of being connected to like something greater than ourselves. Um, there's a lot of ways that we can, I guess, interpret that experience. Or if you want to talk like from a religious perspective, like receive divine communication or, you know, there's all sorts of different ways to talk about it. But um, there's a couple parts to this. I guess the main part is like having an openness as parents to these different ways that children might be experiencing something greater than themselves. And so, you know, dreams, whatever, your understanding i clinically study dream interpretation yeah, and do like it Alex's, it's actually this is like it's <laughs> important thing no <laughs> <laughs> but they matter a lot and yeah. they they can contain a lot of information psychologically but also spiritually as well and so i guess just that like openness to like our kids dreams or like you know unique experiences that they might have like the inner experiences that um that they might have um, is a way for us to help 
cultivate these other strengths Mm -hmm. and that confidence you're talking about. Yeah. I really like in the book, she talks a lot about how many trans like big transitions kids go through. Mm -hmm. And I actually, this was like, I loved this. She was like, imagine every year of your life going, having a new boss and a new job and new coworkers, like kids lives are packed with big transitions. And even when we were in Miami, I had like a lot of job transitions kind of like different like you did yeah roles basically every year every year just working like mostly working around working out our schedule with like kids and Alex's PhD and stuff and yeah it was like honestly so overwhelming and so stressful but she talked about with a lot of the children she works with um around these big transitions you know a lot with school that kind of stuff uh that they'll have dreams like about these transitions, you know, Mm. and a lot of information will come out or, you know, you can learn a lot about their experiences. And I liked these, she actually provides some like good conversation starters of like helping you talk to your kids about their dreams and just like learning about what you can learn about them. Yeah. Like Alex was saying psychologically, but also like spiritually, like kids dreams can reveal a lot, which I think is, is, is super interesting. So some of her conversation starters, um are like good morning welcome back from the dream world to mom and dad did you dream and like just talking about it I thought that was kind of a cute one um um she says like it is important to hear the dream so if they talk about it uh like ask questions like was there a feeling attached to that person or that part of the story Mm. what feels that way in life what is going on that reminds you of that now these are these are like straight up dream interpretation questions actually these are the things that i've asked people yeah if i've interpreted your dreams you know yeah (laughs) maybe some of you listening um and i think a little bit like because alex you know does do this like clinically and he's like studied a lot and a little bit of me i'll be honest like the first time alex started talking about it i was like this is a little like woo -woo, alex you know (laughs) um but i i think like well, one, like in talking, you know, like I've, because Alex is, is an interest of his and like, I've been talking about my dreams with you more recently over the years. And it is, it's actually like a really powerful experience. And there is something I feel like just giving our kids again, like just showing them like, Hey, I'm so interested in you. I want to know what you dreamed about. Like, yeah, well, there's, it's like, it is a sacred, like inner experience, right? Yeah. I think what Dr. Miller says here is, is kind of like, I guess how I understand it. And I think it's maybe would clarify some of this wishy-washy talk about dreams. So she says a dream often brings clarity. So she talks about like the transitions that Marcy was talking about, like going to a new school, having new relationships with kids at school, things like that. So um, that kind of transition can bring up a lot of like apprehension or confusion and even potential for growth. But she talks about how a dream often brings clarity to the new landscape in this transition, integrates the many facets into a cohesive symbolic narrative, a storyline, and even points one or two steps ahead in the direction of the child's inner growth. And that part about like, I mean, even on a very like neurological level, sleep is the time that our brains recover from the day and mm-hmm. also process and integrate a lot of the information. Some of which at that point has become like unconscious. Like there's, you're just going through your day. You're not remembering every 
like sensory stimulus that your body receives, that would be, you'd break, you know, it (laughs) just doesn't work. Um, so like our brain brings in a lot of the, a lot of information, filters, a lot of information. And then during sleep and rest, um, like integrates that information and stores it and organizes it. And dreams are a way that our brains process that information. And so like the stories that, and like the people that show up in our dreams and the situations and things like that, um, are ways that our brain is using to kind of like visualize and symbolize important aspects of our life at that time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. And anyway, there's lots of ways to get at that, but that maybe hopefully clarifies like some of the, (laughs) some of like the black magic aspect of maybe what it sounds like at first blush. But it really is like such a powerful tool to help our kids, I think, connect with their spirituality and for us to like learn more about them. And again, another great conversation starter, I think in or out of the context of spirituality. Yeah. Um. So hopefully that was like interesting. I think, I think this is such a big topic. I would love to revisit it again. Well, um, an, an easy way that we could do that is like this, what our episode today is much has been very heavily focused on like the early years of life. Mm-hmm. So like the first 10 or so years pre-adolescence basically but dr miller and ourselves have more to say about the adolescent years so if that's something that's of interest to you we would love to come back to this topic and and talk more specifically about the adolescent years because they're two distinct the it uh, those two stages of life present two distinct issues Mm -hmm. and today with like younger childhood it's much more about like cultivating those innate inborn spiritual capacities that all children have Mm -hmm. Um, in adolescence there's some different issues about individuation and helping kids come to understand themselves as spiritual beings and figure out like what that means for them and how they're going to live their life and so on Um, so if and when that's interesting to you please reach out to us and we'd be happy to cover it love to do that and reach out if you have any questions or follow-up topics within this subject that you'd be interested in we want to finish with like some conversation starters and I think we've we always like sprinkle them throughout the episode, but something that I was thinking of is, is just like kind of being intentional in the way you like set up even your home and just kind of like how you are like creating those opportunities. So maybe if they're like the artwork that you have in your home, or like, I feel like if you do hold like a book of scripture sacred, like I feel like in this generation, in this age, like we all pretty much read everything on our phones but maybe being intentional and like having a physical copy of that book on your coffee table or like just kind of creating those things and you sharing your experiences and like whether, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, it could be just something small. Like um, I am like, you're having a great time and like, I'm so happy. And if, you know, you believe in God, it could be something like, right just like that feeling right now, this, that comes from God or yeah, whatever, however you want to express that to your kids. So I think just like modeling and creating, like being intentional and creating opportunities to bring up those conversations. And then like we've talked about of just letting your kids questions lead. And when your kid brings up a big question about life and its meaning and its purpose, sitting in that with them. And if you don't have all the answers, or maybe you're somebody who's 
trying to work out what your beliefs are, that's okay. Like, yeah, you definitely don't have to have all the answers. Yeah. Like it's more about the, the process of like being open to it and incorporating spirituality. And part of that is being like honest about mm -hmm. whatever, wherever you are spiritually. Yeah. And I feel like even just, I have been reflecting on how I've, well, my personal spirituality and my faith has changed quite a bit, even just over the course of, you know, our oldest is four um, over that time. And even yeah. just the way I've thought about what I want from him and now our other like spiritually. And like, I feel like that is growing and changing and morphing. And so, yeah, like you don't have to have all the answers, but if you can like facilitate that, like confidence and helping them trust themselves, I think that is such an important foundational tool in supporting our kids' spirituality. Yeah. well that is that is the end of our episode <laughs> on chat with your kids about spirituality we are so grateful that you have joined us for another episode of chat with your kids please keep joining us please keep sharing the show and please keep reaching out and letting us know what you'd like to hear about what's been helpful what's been meaningful we love connecting with you, listeners of the show. And until next time, keep chatting with your kids. <laughs>